All right, finger gums, we are live. Joe Biden wants to ban your gas stove. Believe it or not, it is likely happening. And uh, we're going to talk about that. Apparently, they're trying to walk it back, but we won't let them. It's uh, gaslighting to a whole literal level, right? <laughs> Federal Reserve says that it's not going to be pushing climate activism anymore. The climate cultists are pretty mad about that. Uh, surprising announcement. We'll talk about that. And YouTube shut down the main Heartland Institute channel just before we went live with a prominent climate realist last week. We're going to talk about what happened. We're going to talk about all of this and more on episode 380 of the In the Tank podcast. That is right, folks. We are live. This is In The Tank Podcast. I am your host, Donald Kendall. Joining me today, we've got a full crew. We've got Jim Lakely, VP of the Heartland Institute. How are you doing today, good sir? I'm doing okay. Um, I'm doing a little better than you guys. I might be a little bit more awake. I know that you guys were on a trip. You just got back. Uh, Justin just got back to the West Coast. You just got back here in the Chicagoland area, Donnie. And uh, um, we, I, I had to cajole both of you to please be on the podcast or it would be just me and Chris. And I would have to host and nobody wants me to host. Nobody. <laughs> Everybody is, knows you're the best host. So thanks for being here. All of that is very literally true. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, also joining us, we've got Justin Haskins. Some role. What what are you doing, Justin? How are you? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure anymore. I'm I'm in the middle of an identity crisis, so <laughs> I'll let you guys know what the title is when I figure it out. But what I have, I mean, I have several titles. One title is uh, we can go with research fellow. We can go with director of the socialism research center or co-director or co-czar or whatever we're calling ourselves now and um but I'm, i don't know i'm not loving these titles i'm thinking i need like a different title so i'm, I'm working on it grand grand czar or i don't know something something a little bit yeah. better vice, than chancellor. Just, vice chancellor yeah, vice chancellor of chancellor, everything okay. i don't know aren't they the bad guys though they're always the bad guys there's no good there's no good vice chancellor in anything, so. what, what title does klaus schwab have you should just take that uh one. i don't know I actually just call him ceo and founder of i think i think that's Forum. yeah i don't think he has like some great title or anything like grand that. viceroy executive the chairman <laughs> of the world economic forum executive oh, chairman executive so he's an executive chairman. he's an executive he lives and in the chris Delgo. he is the director of something how are you doing today good sir I'm doing good. Good to see Editorial you guys. Editorial director. That's it. I don't yes. have any of my notes. Like Jeez, Jim said, Donnie, he, man, lack of he, sleep. Wow. He last see... minute forced us to be on the podcast. And one of yeah. the side effects is that is that I have no notes. So I don't know what your titles are. I know okay. that uh, I know that Chris does something around here. I so do how something, are you doing today, Chris? I'm doing good. And I'm just glad that you guys made it back and uh, you didn't get caught up in that FAA nightmare. So well, that's, we that's did. great. We will, we will talk about that. But uh just a couple of uh, housekeeping things before we get into any of our topics or just stories that we want to tell. Uh, one of those is that for everyone that's listening to this podcast, 
Uh, you're probably listening to, if you're only the audio only, you're probably listening to it on a Friday or later. You can join us a day earlier on Thursdays at noon central time, where we are broadcasting this on YouTube and Rumble and Facebook and Twitter. And you could join the conversation. You could throw your comments and questions in the stream there. Maybe we'll show your comment on the screen. Maybe we'll address your questions on the fly. You could also help out our channel by just doing a couple of things that won't cost you a penny. Those include hitting the subscribe button, sharing this content, hitting the like button, even leaving a comment under the video will help break through the big tech algorithms that prevent content like this from being shown to more people. Uh, what else we got? Jim, uh, heartbreaking news. Um, Jay Lair, a mainstay of the Heartland Institute and the climate realism movement for decades. Yeah. Uh, we got some sad news about about Jay Lair. Do you want to you want to kind of explain what's what's going on there? Yeah, well, uh, Jay Lair, uh, he passed away uh, Tuesday night. Uh, suddenly, he, um, he apparently had a, a heart attack, and, uh, and he's gone. Uh, Jay Lair was, for more than 20 years, the science director here at the Heartland Institute. Uh, and a few years ago, he, he left, and he joined the International Climate Science Coalition up in Ottawa, Canada, with our friend Tom Harris, and he was a senior fellow uh, up there uh, in that organization. And it's just it's just a tremendous loss. I mean, uh, Jay Lair was one of the most kind and generous people I've ever met. You know, there's I'm blessed to have a lot of, you know, kind and generous people in my life. Nobody surpassed those levels uh, that, that Jay Lair gave to me and to everybody else in his life. I mean, this man was he was about 80, I think he was 85 years old. And he was the fittest 85-year-old you may ever meet. I mean, this man set the record for most consecutive months jumping out of an airplane. Uh, <laughs> you might think that's a sign of insanity, but he did that for every month for, I, I believe, 39 straight years. And he he injured him. He wanted to have the even 40 because he, he likes nice even numbers. And he injured he got injured, not jumping out of a plane. Something else happened. He hurt his knee and he couldn't he couldn't do it safely. So he had to end his streak. Um, he's basically if there's a parachuting Hall of Fame, he is in it. Hmm. Um, the guy the guy wrote a unicycle uh, to his um, uh, Princeton. He went to Princeton University. He, he rides a unicycle down the parade route um, at, at like the age of 75. I mean, the man was about as vigorous and, and as fit as you could be. Um, and this is just, you know, proof that, you know, life is fleeting and, and life can end at any moment. So, you know. Think about the people you love. Tell them that you love them as often as possible because you just never know when that might be the last time you talk to them. Yeah, Jay, Jay Lair, he was, like, honestly, one of the nicest guys in the world. Uh, we interact with a whole bunch of different people that are in this field and everything. And during the conferences and benefit dinners and all of that, you know, I see a bunch of these people. And, you know, if I get around to, like, uh, interacting with them, you know, it's great. But when I see Jay Lair, like walk into the room of one of these places, I had made a point to go and talk to him just because he was just like the nicest guy in the world. In fact, uh, I told Justin this story. Um, I was watching a video of, of uh, it was like a book talk or something. Jay Lair was in the crowd and he asked a question. It was a, it was about an energy, some energy book the author was talking about. And Jay Lair asked like a really interesting question about like, you know, is the reason why, uh, leftists are pushing for these like uh, terrible energy sources like wind and solar is because they're terrible. And it really like made me think, and it led to me writing one of the only three op-eds that I've ever authored <laughs> in my career here at the Heartland Institute. So he inspired me. Uh, and that, I can't say that, you know, about every person that I've, that I've come across. So yeah, Jay Lair like really has a little special part in my heart, but, um, 
<clears throat> Chris, Justin, do you want to say anything about uh, good old, good old Mister? Uh, I mean, you guys have said, you know, all there is to say, I've met Jay a couple times. And even as a, uh, you know, like a new intern here at the Harlan Institute, he was, you know, so nice and, and you know, so willing to, uh, you know, to teach me what I, you know, wanted to know. And yeah, he's just a great guy and, you know, he'll be missed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think one of the one of the things about um, um, working in especially politics, policy, media, all this stuff, you meet a lot of people. And I think ideally you'd want to believe um, when you don't work in this world, uh, and even when you do, you want to believe that everybody that you meet, whether they're on your side or they're not on your side ideologically, that they are they're really all in it. They really do believe it. They're really part of the cause. And there are a lot of people like that, but there are also people who are in it for totally different reasons. It's just a job maybe, or, you know, this just happens to be what they're good at, or maybe they've got big egos, or maybe they want lots of power in the case of politicians or whatever. But Jay, Jay was one of those guys who he down into the depths of his soul believed that he was doing something important and special and he was going to work toward the cause of liberty until he died like that was who he was and he i mean he he still i mean he was still working mid 80s he's still part of the cause he's still fighting yeah. he had no intention of stopping i mean you have to drag him out i mean there was no way he was going to stop and so he was just for me not only was he an incredibly nice guy uh i have lots of personal stories of him going way out of his way to reach out to me and 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 talk to me about a variety of different things and tell me how proud he was of the work that i was doing and all of that which he really did not have to do um and uh i have all of those stories incredibly nice guy but in addition to that the guy really did give his life to trying to make the country a freer place. And, um, you know, I'm not sure that there's a whole lot more you could say mm -hmm. about a person than he was willing to give everything he had for the cause of liberty. And he was a great personal guy. And he was a great family man who loved his wife greatly. They, they were so close. You'd see him together all the time. Right. Um, and so it's just, Every every great thing you could say about a guy, Jay Lair just uh, epitomized it. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Jim, we got the uh, the fifteenth uh, International Conference on Climate Change coming up. Yeah, uh, surely there's going to be some sort of uh, you know tribute to Jay Lair. Oh yeah! In fact, Jay Lair was going to be on the program. Uh, wow. I literally had just uh, we, we were exchanging emails uh, forty eight hours before I heard the news that he had passed away. So, um, which happened on you know it happened Tuesday night. So I learned about this Wednesday. I'm still in, in quite a bit of shock. But yeah, he was he was going to be on the program. He's very excited about it. Uh, he's he's one of the greatest climate communicators in the world. I mean. Uh, he, his passion was, was for Liberty, but he, he, he really had a passion for teaching people about what's really happening to the climate. And, and his motivation for that was that people are in an un, unwarranted panic that, you know, generations of children are being, are being taught that carbon dioxide is a pollutant when it isn't, uh, that they're destroying the earth when we're not. Uh, and he saw that as a great, uh, travesty and a tragedy really for especially young people. So, uh, you know, he was going to be on the program. Uh, he will be talked about on the program. Um, he was beloved as Justin was, was saying just by everybody who interacted with him, either professionally or personally. And with Jay, um, 
the professional was personal uh, in, in the in the respect that um, he treated everybody in a professional setting like he would in his personal setting, like a valuable person, like somebody that he that very much cared about because it was genuine and it was true. It's mm -hmm. uh, like I said, I'm still kind of in shock. It's it's hard to believe that I won't be seeing and talking with Jay uh, at our climate conference coming up in February and that I won't be on the phone again with Jay, um, that he won't be asking me to do another favor for him, which I always <laughs> was very eager to do. As sometimes he'd have trouble finding some of his past writings and, and, and policy studies and whatnot. And I just I'd get them for him. And he would say, Jim, you're the best, uh, you know, and I'd say, no, you are, Jay. And that's that's really the truth. So um, we're all still kind of in shock and in mourning here at the Heartland Institute. And we send out our prayers and best wishes to everyone who knew him. Yep, no doubt. And uh, that uh, climate conference uh, that I just mentioned, you know, the information for that tickets still available uh heartland.org you can find a little featured thing at the top surely uh, for more information and ticket information or climateconference.heartland.org uh hopefully everyone can join to that uh, in person or remotely because most of that is going to be streamed as well uh so we've got a lot of stuff to get to but um jim already kind of teased this but justin and i were out of town the last couple of days we are in dallas and uh, meeting with Glenn Beck, Justin was doing all the different shows uh, at the Blaze Studios. Um, but there was a funny thing that happened. You know, I don't travel a whole lot. You know, maybe we'll go to Dallas every once in a while. Maybe I'll go to some type of speaking event, uh, but not a whole lot. And it just happens to happened on the on the Wednesday. Uh, I wake up. I was gone for one day. I was going to come back, left on Tuesday, come back on Wednesday, turn on the TV when I wake up, and flights across America, FAA is reporting that flights across America are grounded because of some computer mishap or something like that. I was just like, unbelievable. This happens on the one day that I'm out of town. <laughs> it was absolutely incredible. Do we know what the reasoning for that was at all? Chris, I'm sure yeah. listen to the mainstream media. Do you... Uh, have any explanation of what happened there? Yeah, but Donnie, just real quick to put this into context, that was the first time that all flights were grounded in the United States since uh, September 11th. So right. this was, you know, a 22-year, uh, you know, event. Um, uh, basically, what they're saying is that a glitch uh, got into the FAA's uh, computer system, and that just caused all sorts of havoc. Uh, they're supposed to have all sorts of redundancies, and you know, it's never supposed to be that one, you know, computer file, one corrupted file could. Uh, bring down the entire system, but that is what happened. Uh, they're saying that it was had nothing to do with cyber terrorism. It also impacted uh, Canada's uh, air traffic control system. Uh, but one of the things that that they've been bringing up, and I think this is you know just shocking, uh, the outdated technology that the FAA and the airlines use. It just ha absolutely has to be updated. We cannot allow stuff like this to happen. You know, we're it, we cannot let uh, the air traffic control system uh, be this vulnerable to a computer glitch. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, no, absolutely crazy. Uh, it's one, one side note, well, a bit of housekeeping I forgot. Uh, we have enabled the super chat feature on YouTube. So uh, that is something you could you can kind of donate to uh, to this to this channel you can get your comment in there and i don't know exactly how we want to like treat this jim we haven't really talked about this too much but if somebody super chats a question or a a comment uh can we say that we'll like guarantee that we'll read it assuming that it's appropriate or something is that is that safe to say jim jim's muted 
This I think we can safely needed... say that. See, this is why I need you to host because I would screw everything up. <laughs> He'd be muted half the time if I wasn't. Yeah, hosting. yeah, nobody would hear anything. I'd just be talking to myself. <laughs> uh, no, I actually this we just kind of pulled the super chat feature out uh, about half an hour before we went live today, and so uh, as long as somebody doesn't say something vulgar or something that could get the channel pulled down, um, <laughs> I think we could guarantee that we'd show it on the screen and react to it. So uh, yeah, that's a great way to support the Harlan Institute and this uh, channel and this programming uh, is by uh, trying out the super chat. So. Perfect. We'll see how it goes. So yeah, so Justin and I both had late flights coming coming back, and uh, because of all this FAA stuff, all the flights grounded. Uh, I think that all the flights were down for like four or five hours or something like that. Uh, yeah. They they started allowing them to fly at nine o'clock Eastern time. So throughout the day, I was getting notifications about my flight being pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. <laughs> so my flight, which was originally at nine o'clock, didn't take off until about eleven o'clock. So I didn't get uh, back into Chicago until like 1.30 or something. Didn't get home until closer to 2.30. So it was uh, quite a long night for me. Uh, Justin, you're out of your element. That is very true. I'm very out of my element right now. Justin got uh, better luck. He he didn't get his his stuff canceled at all. You get better luck, but you actually got home before I did. So it wasn't, wasn't that great. My flight was by design not supposed to get in until until very late so i didn't get home till around uh 1 or so pacific time but of course i wasn't on pacific time i was on central time so we're you know we're talking like 3 30 in the morning that so i was i was in trouble i was in trouble at the end of the day folks it was all it was all over for me um but so- we had a very good trip it was productive we had a lot of fun um and uh other than the terrifying you know constant watching of are our flights going to get canceled and are we going to have to be sleeping on couches at the blaze studios which we would probably do i mean that's probably something that would have happened um we had it we had a great trip i mean we we had a lot of really great meetings um we have a couple of really big projects in the works that we are uh, excited about um future collaboration with uh with glenn beck and with the blaze and with other people who are over there um we got to meet with their ceo uh who who we've met with a bunch of times before is an awesome guy a guy named tyler Cardin, and um and of course we had some some long meetings with glenn so uh some really exciting groundbreaking research and work that we're going to be putting together uh as sort of a as a team over the next uh, year or two, pop, pop, well, no, two, uh, probably, and maybe even three. I don't know. Who knows? Uh, so crazy, crazy stuff. Um, I'm super excited to talk about it. Um, when we get a chance, we'll we'll reveal all the details of everything that's been going on. But um, just the stuff that is coming down the pipe, you're not hearing about it on the news. Um, but it is some of the most important issues uh, facing humanity, not just the United States, not just, you know, North America, not just Western civilization, but all of humanity is going to be challenged by what's coming down the road. Well, can and you give us a tease, about it. please? That is a tease. That's a tease, Chris. I need a little more tease. That's the tease. You got to wait Chris, for the full trailer. Yeah, <laughs> That was just the teaser. You got to wait okay. for the full. Okay. No, the That's highlight, weird. though. I'll be patient. The highlight, though, and you can go and watch the episode that that Justin was on. So just by like sheer coincidence, uh, uh, Justin and I's uh, um, day of these meetings, the day that we were there at the Blaze, just happened to be on the one year anniversary of the Great Reset book being released. That released one year ago 
yesterday. And, uh, and <laughs> so Justin got Glenn Beck a gift that he presented to him on air. Uh, do you want to, you want to explain what that was? Yeah, I mean, I was, you know, I, I bought this for him a long time ago, and I think the idea was I would give it to him for Christmas, and uh, we didn't get out there around that time. We just couldn't, our schedules just didn't work out, um, and so we happened to be out there on the anniversary of the Great Reset book coming out, and so I thought, what do you get a guy who has everything in the universe, and this guy really does have, like, every incredible thing. I mean, you want to tell him about the crazy stuff that we yeah, we saw. I mean, yeah, okay, yeah. So it's just a side note here. Uh, dude has got like, a, a, well, he's super into movies, right? So he's got like movie props and stuff, uh, like all over his office. He's got like a stormtrooper helmet. He's got like a, like a, uh, I think he had like a Darth Vader like suit at one point. Uh, he's got like a whole museum that's just filled. He's had a Superman, like one of the original Superman costumes in glass when you walk in the building. And uh, when we were there yesterday, a guy is walking in holding Sputnik, literally, <laughs> literally holding Sputnik. He's bringing it in. So <laughs> it's like it I'm like during the meeting, I'm like, Glenn, you got to tell me about Sputnik over there. I'm like, didn't it like burn up in space or whatever? He, he explained how there was four that were made. One of them was sent into space. The other three weren't. That one burned up. The one uh, sent in space burned. The up. one in space, yeah, burned up. Uh, one is in the, like the Smithsonian. One is in some other museum, and one uh, was given to like the chief engineer of the Sputnik program. And then after he passed, the family sold it or something. And then he was Glenn... in like Czechoslovakia. It was in like the Czech Republic or someplace like that. Right. Yeah. So then Glenn bought it at auction like the other day. <laughs> so he's yeah. got it in his office. Sputnik. It's, it's absolutely it was insane. Pretty, it was, yeah, it was pretty amazing. But that's a side tangent to your story. It, yeah, it, it's a side it tangent. exemplifies the fact that this guy's got everything. Yeah, so this guy's got everything. So I was like, what am I going to get the guy that's got everything? It's the one year anniversary. You know, it's the we got the the we've got this new book that's in the world and all this stuff and i thought i'm gonna get him a signed copy of something from klaus schwab uh, <laughs> because i just thought there's no way he has that like that's the <laughs> one thing i know he doesn't have and so i searched and searched and searched and it is so hard to find <laughs> autographed copies of any if you, if you were in the audience and you find an autographed copy of something from klaus schwab let me know because i will buy it i am i want to be the world's biggest klaus schwab uh, collector of paraphernalia. And I think I, I think by buying one thing I might be right now, number one. Yeah, so right. I just want to keep that up. Uh, so sign picture of it. He, I think he really liked it. Um, he immediately weirdly had like a, <laughs> it was, as I it was really bizarre. So he opens it up. He's super excited, loves the gift. And in the studio right next to him, he had like an, a picture holder thing that you sit up on a desk that you put a pic framed picture in. And it was completely empty and it was just sitting there. And so he just opens it up. He turns and he plops it right down on the thing as if he knew this was exactly what was going to happen, even though he had no clue this was going to happen. So it was pretty, pretty amazing. So yeah, it was, it was a cool yeah. experience. And the stuff that we learned from him was just incredible. Oh, yeah. Like I said, we yeah, have we'll so many incredible things to talk about yeah, uh, over yeah, the next we'll year. We've got we have got plenty. Surely dead uh, episodes will be dedicated to topics that relate to all of this in the future. But we should get to our main topic. I do see that we have a super chat in there, but maybe we'll save them for the end of the no, episode. Don't save it. No, 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 don't save it. Don't save it. 
No, like, don't say that. Was, what if we get like three more? Then we're going to come back and answer all these dispersed yeah. questions. All right. Doug Troyer uh, with a $10 super chat says, uh, was this issue with the air traffic control a cumulative one or what? Chris, do you want to hmm. take a shot at that? Because I, I have no idea. Um, By cumulative one, I'm not exactly sure what he means here. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, when when it happened, there's a, uh, a domino effect. So, I mean, there there was a cumulative effect on on the system. Um, I don't really know exactly what he's asking, though, so I can't really. Yeah, I, I really don't know. I mean, I, I will say that, like, it, the air traffic system and airplanes and all of that, like, blows my mind <laughs> when I, like, go to the airport and see this this incredibly complex, like, weaving of different systems and all of this and they have these planes going on these tight schedules it blows my mind so the fact that like some type of stick can get stuck in the spokes and mess everything up doesn't really shock me it's in fact it shocks me that it doesn't happen more often well one one thing one thing i do know is that during the pandemic uh the faa had a lot of trouble uh having enough people to uh man the the uh, control towers Mm. so this is you know this is not a one-off the FAA woman the control towers excuse me excuse me um people donnie people (laughs) jim is regretting having uh me come on here because we're (laughs) 25 minutes and that's our main topic i I will can i just i just want to say this like i i don't obviously this i we have no there's no reason to believe this but doesn't it doesn't it strike you as just like a little suspicious like this whole thing, like this does not ever happen. It's the first sure. time since 9-11, which was a deliberate shutdown of the system. Yeah, it's probably just like aging technology. But would it shock any of you if we found out like three months from now that, oh, actually, there was a cyber attack and oh, yeah, they were sure. shutting the system down to make sure that it wasn't successful or something like that. But they didn't want to tell everybody because they didn't want panic yeah, or be, something no i, I don't know that would, i believe everything the government tells me <laughs> yeah i know yeah i know you <laughs> it, it'll be interesting to see if if this the government never lies to the, us if this is just swept under the rug or if we find out more information on it um so over the past couple of weeks we should get to our main topic i'm sure pete Buttigieg will be on this donnie <laughs> he's on it yeah um i've seen like a couple of news stories going around um about uh, gas stoves and how the government's coming for your gas stove and I saw like something earlier in the week, and then I saw the response by you know uh, you know on, on on social media, whether it's Reddit or something, Twitter, being like, "Oh no, this is all fake news. It's just conservatives trying to gin up some non-story, and there's there's they're not coming for your stove. Like this is just some manufactured outrage story from from the right." But then, like, I started seeing more th- stories come out, being like different jurisdictions washington state uh i think either new york or new york city or something like no yeah we're, we're following these guidelines and we are banning these things at least in new construction so it's like oh so i guess it wasn't some fake story that conservatives are just ginning up for outrage uh jim can you can you shine any light on any of this for me yeah well uh, uh richard trumka jr if Richard Trumpka, if that name sounds familiar, it's because Richard Trumpka Jr. is the son of former AFL-CIO mob, I'm sorry, labor <laughs> boss, uh, Richard Trumpka. Uh, I call or, him Dick Trumpka. I think we well, should call him Dick. We can go Dicky, Dick or Dick <laughs> Trumpka. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but no, so so he, he released a statement. He was interviewed by Bloomberg 
uh, and he said that uh, because of he had his, I guess, in his hand, I, I, I always imagine it. I have in my hand this study that says that gas stoves cause asthma in children. And we must, uh, so everything's on the table. So this is the Consumer Product Safety Commission, which I believe we have uh, your favorite, uh, Justin, Elizabeth Warren, to thank uh, for, for, for I that. I do love Liz. Yeah, Liz is your favorite. Um, so, you know, so the Consumer Product Safety Commission, Trumpka, who is one of four commissioners on there, uh, says, you know, uh, we have to protect the kids. So everything's on the table. He was asked about, well, you mean banning and getting rid of natural gas stoves? Everything's on the, ta on the table basically to keep people safe. Uh, so that was on Monday. Uh, yesterday, uh, I think the president was finally asked about it. And uh, he said, no, 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 we're not going to do anything like that. So because the outrage that people had, because, you know, this this is insane. It really is insane. And so they're trying to walk it back. But as I said in the description of this podcast, we're not going to let them because this is indicative of the way the administrative state under leftist uh, rule, basically our ruling class thinks and operates about us they 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 have their there's no limiting principle to what they will do uh to to control your life um but but just taking i, I want to get in the details about the supposed study by the way that that uh, using gas stoves causes asthma in children um but you know maybe you guys can weigh in first but i think it's important to break that down yeah chris do you want to jump in with your take on this i'm sure that this is all the talk of the town in the corporate media right well, I was uh, glad to see AOC chimed in with her uh, scientific analysis that gas oh, stoves actually actually cause brain damage. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> take that for what it is. But, um, you know, this is just ridiculous. It's being done under the guise of uh, public safety. The Consumer Product Safety Commission is a complete joke. Uh, They're currently investigating all of the uh, safety problems with blinds. No joke. Blinds. Hmm. So these people just, they, they, you know what, this is the embodiment of the uh, bloated Washington, D.C. bureaucratic system where they've got thousands of people that you know work in these agencies. And what do they do? They apparently study whether blinds are dangerous for people. Jim mentioned the study. I know we're going to go much more into that. But there were some other studies that The Wall Street Journal cited that that, that uh, were not the one that Richard Trump was using. And Donnie, this is just this is just so par for the course. They were doing the experiments on gas stoves, but they were doing them with no ventilation whatsoever in in a confined space with with tarps over the stove. Of mm. course, there's going to be de deleterious effects if you are using a gas stove for hours and hours and hours in a tiny, tiny little room with no ventilation whatsoever. So I guess these people either think we're really stupid. These people think that, you know, we are we don't know any better. But as Jim alluded to, this has, uh, you know, the climate change written all over it. And just so happens that in the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, which is the most ill-named bill in the history of the United <laughs> States, or law, I should say, uh, they they included a provision that uh, gives people $840 rebate if they buy a new electric stove. So follow mm. the money as always. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like I haven't heard about these studies suggesting that gas stoves are like dangerous or anything, but I have seen plenty of headlines in the past about considering regulations that any new housing was had to have electric stoves and not gas ones. And I always took that as a, um, you know, like the, we don't want gas powered stoves. <laughs> we want your wind power, you know, to, to, to be turned into electricity so you could have your electric grill going. And then all our stove going. And and then all of a sudden now we have this study saying like, well, it's not about climate change. No, no, no. It's about kids getting asthma. That's it. That's going to justify <laughs> all of this. 
Uh, well, Daddy, but, the know, Democrats are great at using kids as pawns. You know, they always do. This is like, you know, just they're, they're one of their go-to strategies. Protect the kids, protect the kids, or so they say. Justin, do you want to weigh in on any? Uh, yeah, any I mean, I, I think yet? I think if you're going to take a, a sort of a positive look at this, um, I think one of the positives that comes out of this is you know that the real re the only logical reason really for why they're doing this is because uh, they don't like natural gas. If they could, they would just get rid of natural gas entirely. Like that's, that's what they want because that fits into the environmental agenda, the climate agenda, moving the country toward wind and solar generation, power generation and all of that stuff. So they don't like that. We, we already know that, but what's interesting is, why wouldn't you make the focus that why didn't they say, well, we got to stop allowing gas stoves because that's contributing to the climate crisis. Like, why not just say that? Because if, because I understand that asthma is, is, is let's say that asthma really, they really do believe asthma is being caused by this. Okay. That's a problem, but you know, what's a bigger problem? Everybody dying from climate change, which is what they also believe. So wouldn't you go with the thing that is the bigger crisis? You know, wouldn't that be the thing that you go to? Like, why do you need to make a case for kids getting asthma as the reason when these stoves are contributing to the destruction of all of life on earth? That seems to be the thing you should go to first. Yet they didn't. And so you have to ask yourself, why? Why wouldn't they go to that? And I think that that actually tells us a lot. The reason they're not, they're not, uh, going to climate change for their justification for doing something like this is because they know that's a huge loser. They know <laughs> that no one cares. They know and that they know that that's not a big, a, a big motivating factor for people. That if they had come out and said, you know, we have to ban gas stoves because we know you guys like them in America. We know everybody likes them who has them and whatever, and they cook better than electric stoves. But but we're gonna we're we're all dying if we don't do stuff like this. So we have to do things like this. If they did that, then there would be a massive rebellion against them. People would be very angry. It would be an endless news cycle of, of, of negative press. And so they, they picked something that is much, much harder to argue against than, than climate change. It's, well, it's a health hazard. That's the real reason. It's a health hazard. It's not all this. It has nothing to do with climate change. It just so happens to fit in with our agenda with climate change mm -hmm. and with the Inflation Reduction Act. And that's just a happy coincidence. But, you know, it has nothing to do with that. Well, that makes me wonder. I, I, I really do wonder if going forward, we're going to see this kind of strategy more often. Where all of a sudden, all the things that they've been asking for and saying that it's because of climate change is suddenly going to have some other reason why we need that exact same thing. It's not going to be climate change anymore. It's going to be something else. So we're going to find out that, you know what? Gasoline-powered cars, just riding in them, causes asthma. Because we <laughs> yeah. where we put people in a car and we threw a giant tarp over the top of it, and then we tested yeah. it, and it turns out no. the air quality is really bad when you do that. So no more gasoline-powered yeah, cars. We, we did a, we did you know? a study where we turned on our car, we sat in it with the garage door closed, and yeah. uh, didn't turn on didn't too work well. Out. Didn't work uh, out. Jim, I, I'm still kind of not understanding what exactly is going on with this. Like I said, I had no time to prepare for all of this. Just got thrown <laughs> into the mix here this morning. But uh, I just Googled, uh, you know, like this story. And one of the first things that come up, I, I look up natural uh, gas stove ban. 
And the first thing that comes up on Google when you hit the news thing is a New York Times article uh, titled, No, Biden is not trying to ban yeah. gas stoves. <laughs> so I don't understand what's happening. Is he doing it or not? It's that. Uh, yeah. Well, he, they, there's a trial balloon. And so that's... Uh, Gaslighting on the gas stove van is what's <laughs> happening right here, uh, literally. But look, uh, when this came, this, so they're just trying to walk it back. They know that this is a big loser. Um, they know that this is embarrassing. Richard Trumka Jr. spoke out of turn. You're not supposed to say this stuff yet. You know, we're, we're going to, we, you have to condition the public to accept this. It's too soon. But the idea that they're not going to try to find some kind of pretext to get rid of gas stoves because they want to get rid of natural gas. I mean, they've already announced what their ultimate goal is stopping us from using any fossil fuels it's a it's a complete fantasy it's going to make the it's going to destroy civilization to stop using fossil fuels but they already know it. they've said that that is their goal and so why wouldn't they ban they would have to ban gas stoves they would have to do it because we want to go you know net zero and not have any not use any fossil fuels in a very short amount of time um and and you know as noted it's in the show notes uh kathy Hochul, the governor of new york wants to ban the use of uh, gas stoves in all new construction by like 2025. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, that's two years from now. <laughs> and she would have banned using uh, putting gas stoves in any new construction. And then she would ban them from the existing places, um, which means, and, and, you know, and again, this is gas stoves. Uh, I guess we can't use gas furnaces anymore either. I guess you mm -hmm. can't use uh, natural gas water heaters anymore. Water heaters. It's, all, it's all to get you to go electrified. But, you know, our friend... I asked our friend Steve Malloy, he's actually a policy advisor at the Heartland Institute and also a uh, member of our board of directors, to come on because he runs the website called junkscience.com. And this study is big time junk science. And he notes on his um, on his website that this was not actual research that was done on children. This is a, a meta analysis of previously published and ignored studies. So in other words, a study of otherwise unpersuasive studies. Um, <laughs> he says that... Uh, you know, the study results, including the component studies, are a weak, have weak statistical associations. In other words, it's the idea of correlation is not causation. They just mm. throw that out. So that's that's another reason why this is junk. He also points out, logically, asthma is not an allergic, is not, oh, I'm sorry, asthma is an allergic disease. And there are no uh, allergens in natural gas. So it doesn't even have any biological plausibility. Uh, and so you can go to that website, uh, junkscience.com, and you can see uh, more of that in detail. But, but look, the... The, the 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 outfit that put what we had going on here this you had a a left-wing globalist quote-unquote think tank putting out a study so that the government has a pretext to take away your freedom uh this report was put out by the rocky mountain institute uh donnie and justin you're gonna love this they are members of the world economic forum what do Whoa. you know Yes, yes. All roads lead to them apparently all roads lead to klaus schwab who will make you eat the bugs uh, and so they describe Rocky Mountain Institute describes themselves as, quote, part of a new coalition of climate leaders focused on supercharging efforts to decarbonize some of the world's highest emitting industries in the next 10 years. So this is the kind of report they would put out because this is what they want to do. And they're in a damn big hurry about it, too. Just doing that in 10 years. Uh, Rocky Mountain Mountain Institute also brags on the WEF website that it brings in 30 million dollars in annual revenue. $30 million every year. That would fund the Heartless of Two for about eight to 10 years, actually. So people think like we're swimming in big oil money. You know, I wish. You know where all the money is? Uh, fake think tank outfits like this. Um, part of the w WEF's mission, 
Um, it, it, oh, I'm sorry. This is part of the WEF's, quote, mission possible partnership. And uh, other people in this coalition with the Rocky Mountain Institute are the Energy Transitions Commission. Uh, hmm. And the lead author, if you look at the, the summary here uh, of, the, of the report, the lead author's address is at a nonprofit called Rewiring America in Washington, D.C. So this is all agenda-driven so-called research that is given to the government to justify banning natural gas and taking away your gas stove. Um, but we, we should really understand that this, as Justin talked about, this isn't about the safety of kids. Uh, that, that whole thing is complete BS. You know, we've been using gas stoves in the United States for hundreds, for a hundred years, right? If this was an actual problem, you know, natural gas is clean burning. If this was a natural problem, don't you think we would have noticed it by now? Isn't that, isn't that logical? But there is no logic <laughs> in the way the government operates. Uh, but Because this is really just about coming up with just another uh, reason to end the use of fossil fuels and to go all electric with everything. Uh, electric electric is more expensive and it's going to be more expensive when they don't let us use fossil fuels to generate the electricity. Uh, but it's also really, I think, about testing the limits of government bureaucrats micromanaging every single aspect of your life. And every time they do that, they take away just a little bit more freedom. Uh, we can't use incandescent light bulbs anymore. Uh, we can't have a toilet that uses more than 1.6 gallons a flush. So we have to flush it three times. <laughs> so it actually using more water. Uh, they don't want us using gas-powered lawnmowers or leaf blowers anymore uh, or snow blowers. They want us to stop driving our regular, reliable, cheap, and uh, can fuel up in about 30 seconds vehicles. They want us all into these electric vehicles. Um, and they want to now, and now, of course, they want to take away our gas stoves. Um, you know, we have we seem to keep failing these tests that the that the that the globalists and the bureaucrats give to us because we never push back. It just they, they they always get their way, don't they? We don't have those light bulbs anymore. We don't have uh, toilets that actually work the way they used to when we were kids. And now here they go. They float out this idea of taking away our gas stoves uh, and they're backing off. But they'll be back. They'll be back. This is going to happen. This ban will try to be implemented in a much more serious way. They're just running scared right now because people are outraged. But I, I actually, I have, I, I would, I wish I had more faith that the next time they come for you know, gas stove or something else, that we will resist and start pushing back and getting our freedoms back. But yeah, every time they do it, they win and we lose. I'm just surprised at the at the speed uh, of this. Like it was within within like seemingly hours, days, if I want to be generous, that I started seeing this story. And then just like a whole bunch of different jurisdictions coming out with different bands and uh, uh, future building bands. Uh, one of them that I think Glenn actually brought up during our meeting. He was on a he like pulls it up on his phone or gets some type of alert. And it was like Washington State. Uh, because of some like unelected regulatory body in Washington state decided that all new construction was going to be done without natural gas. They just have to do it. It's like, oh, that's a very democratic process. But uh, Chris, any, any, any other last thoughts on this topic before we move on to anything else? Yeah, Senator Cory Booker, one of my all-time favorites, uh, he actually <laughs> uh, had a different argument for the reason why we should do this. He says that uh, natural gas stoves are racist. And here was his justification, and I quoted him in an article I wrote a couple of days ago. Well, well, wait, wait, before you before you do that, sure. a lot of gas stoves do have hoods, so that uh, <laughs> might be. A... Oh wow, that <laughs> might get us banned, Donnie. Jeez, yikes! <laughs> Go ahead, uh, well, he 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 kind of, <laughs> he took it a little a slightly different direction. He he said, <laughs> and he wrote this is on his website. I found the press release and everything uh, that uh, black 
and Latino people and uh, like indigenous peoples live in smaller homes. Therefore, they don't have the ventilation necessary to uh, properly ventilate on a with a using a natural gas stove. Mm. So basically, he said in a one fell swoop, you know, big generalization, painting with his big broad brush. Black people, Latino people are poor and can't afford homes that are large enough to have a natural gas stove. So therefore, we should just not have them at all. Oh, that makes right. a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, good old, good old Cory Booker. <laughs> um, all right. Well, there's a, there's another story here that I am completely unfamiliar with. At least I saw some headlines about that one. Uh, but this is Federal Reserve rejects climate activism. Uh, you have in the show notes here, Jim, New York Times article. Powell says Fed will not be a climate policymaker. Uh, that seems like. Yeah, like, no, duh, you shouldn't be. But uh, in this crazy mixed up world, that seems to be a uh, kind of a, a kind of a crazy turn of events. So can you ex- walk us through this one a little bit, Jim, and make sure you unmute your mic before you start talking? You want there me to unmute goes. my mic before I start talking? <laughs> Why do you have such demands on me? It's just uh, it's so hard. You come in unprepared and you just take it out on me. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at the. Um, we also have a link to the uh, editorial uh, in the Wall Street Journal on this as well. But basically, this this was such a really big surprise, and I thought it was a very pleasant surprise. It's not often that the Fed makes an announcement, especially lately. And uh, you're happy about it. But yeah, <laughs> when, right. Uh, right. Yeah. So the Federal Reserve Chairman, uh, Jerome Powell, um, you know, he said that you know, the Federal Reserve should be concentrating on, on controlling inflation. They're doing such a great job at that right now. So, uh, yeah, they should definitely keep focusing on that. They know what they're doing there. But uh, he said that, uh, quote, without explicit congressional legislation, it would be inappropriate for us to use our monetary policy or supervisory tools to promote a greener economy or to achieve other climate-based goals. We are not and will not be a climate policymaker. So this is the, really, this is the first time I can remember, especially lately, where the where, where a powerful institution has resisted the push from the climate cult to, to join the climate cult and to take up their cause. Um, because we've talked about this on this podcast for a long time, that the power of persuasion does not exist among the climate cultists. Uh, they realize they've tried for 30 years to convince people to live the way they want us to live, to quote unquote, save the planet. And we haven't listened. We haven't paid attention. So in the last few years, and this is tied into ESG, of course, and it's tied into Klaus Schwab and his agenda at the World Economic Forum, uh, is to cajole the powerful institutions, not just in the United States, but around the world, to force us to accept the climate cultists' agenda, to basically bring us unwillingly into their cult. Uh, and so this is the first time, because the Security Exchange Commission has been cajoled into the climate cultists' agenda uh, by by enforcing ESG and, and you know, basically, you know, imposing financial regulations that that make companies invest in green technology or not invest in companies that are not down with with uh, the green agenda. So Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Fed, to basically say, nah, uh, that's not our that's not what we're going to do. We're, we're not we're not joining your cult. Uh, we're not going to be a climate policymaker. If you want this stuff to be in- enacted, you pass laws and you get those signed by a president because we're not into it. So to me, that's the only good news I've heard out of the Fed in probably 20 years. So <laughs> I thought it was worth mentioning. Uh, Justin, I mean, every once in a while, we do get a, uh, you know, a, a win in our column here. Uh, are you familiar with the story? Can we count this as a win? 
Uh, so this is something that has been discussed for a while um, in a variety of different ways. There's sort of been a there's been there's been a debate within academia and within the Fed as to what exactly legally the Fed can do uh, when it comes to climate change in particular, but in other things as well. And I think I think it was pretty obvious. Now, this doesn't always mean just because something is obviously illegal that the government doesn't try to do it. They do things all the time that I think are obviously illegal. But it seemed pretty obvious that the Fed did not have the legal authority to start sort of pushing policy solutions using the Fed. Like that that's that's something that the European Central Bank has been doing and they do have the ability to do that to some degree. Um to some degree. And uh, I think there was a lot of pressure on the left or from the left on the Fed to do something like that. But um, I thought it was pretty obvious that they didn't have this authority. And Jerome Powell has actually made comments like this in the past where he's basically said, we don't really have the authority to do this. And I think the reason that he that he's saying this is not because he wouldn't do it if he could, but because I think he knows. I mean, it'll get if he tries to do something like that, it'll get struck down. Like, like there just is no legal justification for doing things like this. The other thing that I think is really important is for people to understand is that um, it's really not necessary to accomplish the goals that the left wants to have the Fed be the ones that impose it. Because all of the large private banks in the United States of America today are already on board with this agenda. Uh, every large private bank in the United States has already committed to going net zero uh, by XYZ date, both within their internal operations and in their entire portfolios. That means not doing business with people who refuse to go along with a net zero agenda. All of them, Chase, Morgan Stanley, um, uh, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Citibank, they've all made these commitments already. So the Fed doesn't really need to do it anyway because all the fed has to do is give money to these other private banks which will then turn around and uh, do exactly what people at the fed want it to do on climate change and the left wants people to do anyway so there's really no reason for the fed to to do this um i think the other thing to keep in mind is that we don't exactly know who the fed is entirely uh, but a lot of people uh, believe that the Fed is basically composed of a lot of these large private banks that I was talking about anyway. And so, I mean, it, it just it just doesn't really it's just not as important, I think, as people some people want to believe that it is. Now, if the private banks were not going along, if if by private banks, I mean, if Chase and Wells Fargo and all these big national banks were not going along with this agenda, then this would be important because one way to force them to go along with it would be for the Fed to say, you have to go along with it in order to basically exist. Uh, but because they're already doing it anyway, I don't know why it matters whether the Fed is doing this or not. It would be worse, I guess, if the Fed were going hardcore in this direction and they could they could sort of put the foot on the gas pedal. But do I think that it's really going to change much of anything? No, because I think the big players on Wall Street and in insurance and in banking are already doing it anyway. So the Fed, I don't really know why this matters a whole lot. Um, yeah. 
I'll, I'll take it. I'll take the win. <laughs> I know because you're easy to please, but <laughs> I did like Avatar too. So yeah, that no, that, that that tracks. We'll get to that. that, that we tracks. will get to that. Um, uh, so I, I want to talk about uh, I want to talk about the story that uh, that happened at the very end of last week, right here at the Heartland Institute. But I did see an interesting comment by Cowboy Roy Rogers. Where is that comment, Andy? Do you have that? Can you pull it up? Says stopping socialism. Can we please stop calling them fossil fuels when the earth regenerates them? Rockefeller lied to everyone. We're finding more deposits because they are regenerating. So this is something that I've heard before. Uh, I have not looked into it until the, uh, you know, to see if it's like totally factually correct. But the idea that like oil, all the oil in the world is all the oil that we'll ever have. And there's a theory that like, no, there's actually, you know, it's like regenerates. There's a term for it. I forget what it is. And I don't know if that's if, if that's the case. I don't know of any studies or anything that would suggest that that's true or anything. Um, but I will say, just like from the linguistics like point of view, I've always hated calling them fossil fuels. That always has like this negative connotation to it. At one point, I tried to like refer to fossil fuels as reliable energy as opposed to <laughs> renewable energy. And like, I, I don't know if that's like the best terminology to go with it, but it's certainly better than fossil fuels. Um, but, you know, and I've always said that the left, the one thing that the left is like miles ahead of the right on is like the linguistic battles. So I do support that idea that we should stop calling it fossil fuels. I just don't know if we're going to come to like a consensus term that everyone across the board refers to it as at least on the right but how about reliable and affordable sure <laughs> that sounds good yeah, um, it, it, well it's it's like it's like we now have to refer to like people say ICE and they mean internal combustion engine vehicle it's like sure. we just just call them cars you know they were just vehicles that worked you right. know it's like reliable transportation but uh Reese Reed uh, left in the comments here he says that uh, he always refers to them as hydrocarbon fuels. And I know that, uh, I know, mm. you know, the people, we have our climate conference here in about 42 days. And a lot of the scientists we work with call them hydrocarbons. And, okay. you know, it sounds scientific. Is, I can get behind that. Yeah. But I mean, but there is this, there is a theory or hypothesis that, yeah, that the earth actually generates, uh, it creates it. It creates oil and natural gas. That these are, this is not the, uh, you know, the, the, the remains of previous organic creatures like dinosaurs and sure. plants that it's that it's something else you know i don't know how, you know how much to give that theory but it is interesting that we keep finding more and more oil when we were told that we couldn't find it anymore so you know it, it, an unscientific person could even just logically conclude maybe there's another answer maybe the, maybe it's not what we've always been told because that's what science is it's the pursuit of truth it's not the yeah, acceptance you, of dogma no could, no you, science is dr fauci that's true that's true <laughs> I, I i walked past the tv monitor uh when we were at the blaze and i saw fauci standing there and then i like <laughs> double taked and it was actually ellen degeneres i was like oh wow <laughs> they look very similar didn't realize that really yeah, happened you, you, actually that did happen justin was right behind me uh <laughs> so if you were to take anybody off the street and be like what do you like fossil fuels or renewable energy of course, 100 percent of people that don't know any other context of it are going to pick renewable energy. So the linguistical battle, I think, is a very important one. And too often the right is miles behind on that. 
Um, so I wanted to talk about this story. So the In the Tank podcast is uh, live every Thursday at noon, like I mentioned. But then we also have another live show every week at the Heartland Institute, and that's called the Climate Change Roundtable. That is live at noon Central Time as well on Fridays. And last week there was there was uh, there was kind of like a lot of preparing. I, they they prepare for the show obviously, but uh, it seems like they were going above and beyond. And it was because they were going to have a very notable uh, scientific figure, Dr. Judith Curry, on. And it was it was a big to-do. There was a lot of uh, preparing going on behind the scenes. I was making sure to tune in. I, I was, uh, you know, I had my, my lunch ready. I was ready to tune in. And it was 12 o'clock. And it was 12.05. Still waiting. And then it was like 12.10. And I'm still waiting. Where's the show? And then uh, I see in the comments, maybe it was Jim, maybe it was Andy said that YouTube coincidentally, just maybe an hour before the broadcast, maybe a couple of hours before the broadcast gave the main Heartland Institute channel on YouTube a strike, which prevented us from putting anything on the channel, including a live broadcast for seven days. Just before we were going to have this big guest, just before we were going to have probably the most watched stream of that uh, live stream of that channel, uh, we couldn't do it. So we had to frantically try to uh, uh, push everyone onto Rumble or some uh, Facebook or something. You could still watch it there. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, there's there's a couple of different facets to the story that I want to explore, Jim, but um, pretty interesting coincidence. Oh, yeah. And what the strike was, was an episode of the In the Tank podcast, <laughs> funny enough. But from 20 months ago, nearly two years ago, us talking about Trump being kicked off Facebook got us banned, got yeah. us a strike, prevented us from having the stream with Judith Curry on YouTube. Jim, you were incensed by this. Uh, do you wanna... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was pretty hot about it. But uh, look, it, it's I. <sighs> I can believe a lot of stuff and, and, you know, I don't know. I don't always believe that, you know, sometimes a coincidence is a coincidence. There is no way, no bleeping way about 30 minutes before we go live with one of the most prominent uh, climate realist scientists out there, Dr. Judith Curry, a woman who in congressional testimony embarrassed the hell out of one Michael Mann who has made his living being a climate alarmist. There is no way that just coincidentally literally with before with less than an hour to go before we go live with with dr judith curry suddenly the algorithm just happens to find you donnie actually you're the one who did it you reading <laughs> donald trump's uh social media posts uh questioning um let's just say questioning something that happened you know election related i mean i'm afraid that this is going to happen again yeah right seriously. you read you read donald trump's uh, social media posts about it yeah. because we were going to talk about it we were not questioning the outcome of the election we were not spreading election misinformation we were discussing whether what donald trump did warranted being banned and that was the time he was he was basically going to be banned from all social media so that's why he had to make his own truth social and we were discussing that because it was an important public topic and there is zero chance that the algorithm just randomly picked that up 30 minutes before we go live with uh, with Judith Curry and then shuts our channel down so that we can't live stream. No chance that is just random. Zero. It didn't find it last week. It didn't find it three months ago. It didn't find it 20 months ago when we said it. It finds it right at the moment that uh, one of our, what, what was going to be one of our best live streams ever on YouTube 
and it makes it so that it doesn't happen. There's just no yeah. way. I don't believe in coincidences like that. You know, well, I, I, I'm willing to believe a lot. Not that. That is complete BS. Jim, Jim's pointing, literally pointing fingers at me for those audio only listeners. <laughs> but I will say, if you go back and watch the tape, and that episode still exists on SoundCloud and Facebook and some other places, that I have the quotes. And I'm like, should I, should I read these? Should I read these things? Are we going to get banned? And then, for the record, Jim says, do it. Let's live Do on it. the edge. So let's live gonna, on the edge. To share the blame, it's this guy that's sitting uh, next to me on this monitor that, that, here. That's fake. That's fake news. That's uh, so I will say, uh, to just take your your percent chance of this being a coincidence from zero to a little bit north of zero. That that happened on January sixth. That Friday was January sixth. So is it possible that uh, because we're on like the what is it second year anniversary of that whatever? But they boosted the algorithm and increased the net to make sure that they capture any dissenting opinions on this most important thing that's ever happened in this country. Eh, maybe. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I don't know. No, Donnie, you know what? Now you're talking real conspiracy theories. Now you're going to get this this band. <laughs> it's all it's all. Conspiracy. How dare you question January 6th, by the way? <laughs> I'm not questioning it was anything. An infamous day that well. Well, yeah, I'm questioning January 6th of 20. 23 (laughs) um the but an interesting thing so it was on it was on uh it was you know we pushed everyone to rumble uh we had 150 people watching on rumble which is like fantastic for us when it comes to rumble and uh by the time the the stream ended there was a few hundred uh jim you made a post about this ranting about it in tweet twitter form Posted about it. Uh, we had the Heartland account share it. We had Stopping Socialism account share it. Uh, you reached out to a a blog that you really liked that talked about it. And over the course of that next couple of days, the views on this Rumble video, this Dr. Judith Curry interview, uh, started ticking up a couple thousand, then five thousand, then it was ten thousand, and then you started uh, you know seeing the big jumps, twenty thousand, thirty thousand, forty thousand, and it must have hit like some type of algorithm. It must have been like put on their front page or something because then it really started rocketing. And right now, as we're recording this episode, that interview, uh, the Dr. Judith Curry interview on Rumble has 146,000 views, which for our Rumble accounts is like every other video added together multiplied by a thousand (laughs) yeah i mean i mean we we simulcast on rumble i i I consider i joke in in the office that rumble's kind of like our panic room like when they when they definitely ban us from everything at least we'll have rumble and we simulcast on rumble just for that reason in case something like this happened and it happened we would have had hundreds of people watching live which again is pretty good numbers for us um that judith curry interview and we ended up with about half of that uh, over at Rumble, but to have anybody watching at Rumble is actually pretty amazing because this is where people watch live streams. That's what YouTube is for. That's what everybody does. That's where you get super chats and all the other stuff. So it was amazing. So, so you know, the attempt to suppress this actually ended up getting more people to look at that interview in the end. Yeah. So that's actually a good thing. 146,000 yeah, yeah. views is pretty damn good. But it's still super scary that we live in a supposedly free society in which you cannot post a a uh, interview on YouTube. A you know one of the biggest platforms in the world and especially in this country in which you have a give and take with someone who just questions, you know, uh, the, the pseudoscience on climate change. That, that is, that is a very scary development because they always have used the, uh, the 
the saying of, well, you know, we ban stuff that is going to cause, you know, harm to people or, or like, you know, vulgar comments or racist comments. This had nothing to do with any of that. This was literally just a woman coming on and saying, hi, I have some opinions about this thing called global warming. And I'd like to share them with, you know, with my fellow Americans. And they and they come in like the so, you know, like the ex, you know, Soviet, uh, you know, propaganda you know, team and just erase it from history. That is that is a scary. We do not live in a free society if those are the new rules of the game. Uh, Justin, do you have any any comments about this? I filled you in on this uh, while we were on the trip. I think you were kind of in the dark about all of this. But uh, any any thoughts? Uh, I mean, you know, actually, the only the only thought I have is uh, I want to congratulate you guys for um, pulling that off because that's pretty incredible. I mean, really, when you think about it. That's pretty incredible. And it is the and it is the power of having even one other option. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. this is what was so dangerous about social media like 5 years ago is it's just like there was nothing. There wasn't even really Rumble basically. I mean, mm-hmm. it was it was either YouTube, it was Twitter, it was Facebook and that was pretty much it. Uh and you know Instagram and stuff like that, but it, that was pretty much it. So if any of those things went crazy there was no panic there was no there's no backup there was no alternative and so i mean this is the whole reason why you guys have been populating that rumble channel basically right right (laughs) and so it actually paid off i mean this could never have happened and we would have had a grand total of like you know i don't know like a thousand total views on rumble for the whole history of the channel uh but this is why you do this thing it's unfortunate that we have to think this way but we do have to think this way, and this proves that it actually pays off. So, congrats to to all of you guys, to Jim and Andy and everybody who's involved in in, in keeping that Rumble channel uh, up and running, and for and for having that backup ready to go. Because you really cannot be too skeptical of of the establishment big tech, other than Twitter right now, because yeah. they are just. They really don't like us. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. And at the very least, let's say there, that it had nothing to do with Judith Curry. It's just a crazy coincidence. Okay. Then they're just incompetent. So it's like in their effort to try to ban people and and get and tweak, you know, turn the knobs and the dials just right on, on these platforms to make sure that there isn't anything that they don't like on it. They're incompetent and they screwed it up and this doesn't make any sense. So that's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is they're actively targeting specific channels they don't like and then banning content before it even comes on air because they're afraid someone might see it. Right. That's really bad to be anywhere on that spectrum. So, yeah, um, we're, well, we're, I, it just reminds me of like, uh, like we're like the rebels in Star Wars, and we're constantly having to relocate our stuff when we're getting chased by this Death Star over here. So, while YouTube, well, Danny, like, but this it also you, proves that there's an appetite among the people to get this kind of information. Oh yeah, no doubt. But I'm just saying, like our, our YouTube account is like our Yavin base. And uh, Rumble is our, our is Hoth. <laughs> we're gonna have to get chased to. In that. Uh, so we are we're already like six minutes long here, but um, but there was a very important poll that uh, was put out on Twitter just the other day that I want to get to um, by Justin. So do we have this poll? Can we can we show this? Uh, because I think this is the this is a very important thing that uh, I, I don't want to end the episode without talking about. So. Justin puts on his uh, account while we're while we're down in uh, <laughs> down in Dallas together. 
you did not make me aware of this. I saw this in the morning the next day after he posted it. it says important poll. One of my closest friends says he quote really likes Avatar, Avatar the Way of Water. I find this deeply troubling. Please help me decide how I should react. I will abide by the results of this poll, which is a fantastic reference to the uh, Elon Musk thing. So the four options are end the friendship, host an intervention, reconsider Avatar, and shame him publicly. I think the poll lasted for 24 hours. Yeah. And uh, it looks like the results are in and taking the first spot is hosted intervention with 31.5%, followed closely by shame him publicly with 29.3%. I was so. really pulling for shame him publicly. That's so much more <laughs> fun than hosting an intervention. But I, I but I am working on an intervention. For those who don't know, uh Donnie is the is the person, the the person referenced here. Um uh, <laughs> and and so, you know, I, I really was going to abide by the results of the poll. I mean, this could have been the end of the friendship. It really could have been the end. Um, it, 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 I, I really was, I was nervous because I didn't want the friendship to end. But you know what? Social media, that's that's my, you know, that's yeah, my God so, now. So social media has spoken. Me, yeah, yeah, so, yeah. And you must obey. <laughs> so, yeah, that's exactly T- right. TM, uh, you, you asked who it was. Justin just mentioned. It was me. It was me. I did really like it. We I'm had working on putting with... it together an intervention. It's going to be, it's going to be great. It's going <laughs> to be, be a whole episode of the tank podcast. It's good. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, that comment that just showed up on the screen was Andy, our producer. Uh, he also very much liked the movie, but uh, we did an episode with Christian Toto a few weeks ago. It was our last episode of the year of 2022, where Jim and I have uh, um, had made a tradition of having Christian Toto on, where we talk about movies and TV. So if you want my thoughts about Avatar, you can go back and watch that episode. But uh, Jim or Chris, any other any other thoughts on this topic or any of the other ones that we talked about before we sign off for the week? I think I might be one of the only people in America who has not seen either Avatar or Avatar 2. And I am very proud of that fact. Oh, don't be proud. I am proud. Don't don't be uh, anti-Avatar. Don't be one of these contrarian people just for the just, sake of being contrarian. It just doesn't appeal to me. Watching little blue people uh, like doing. They're not little. They're the complete opposite like, of like little. Weird but, worlds. You know. Like sorry, sorry. Like you know that might have appealed Chris, to me when I was about like five. But Chris, you just you just you just bought yourself a place in the intervention uh, team. So congratulations, Chris. I would We're be glad do a to special host the intervention. Actually. We're gonna do a special episode of this. It's gonna be an intervention episode. Uh, it won't yeah. take up our normal episode or whatever. Daddy, it'll be. We're gonna put you in a chair, take your eyes, and make them go open and watch movies that I think are better than Avatar for about I don't know maybe twenty four hours. Jim, go ahead. I, I I selected for the record. I selected uh, shame him publicly, and uh, I'm a big winner because uh, the way you keep going on and on publicly about how great Avatar is is your shame. So do you know, do you know, know who else I'm a, is a, I'm big a winner, winner no matter what. James Cameron. James Cameron is the biggest winner out there. Uh, we'll leave it at that. Guy just hits home runs after home runs. And, you know, no matter what you say about his awesome movies, uh, it's not going to take anything away from the box office. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of In the Tank podcast. Join us every week for a new episode. For those that are listening to the audio-only version, probably on a Friday or later, join us a day earlier on Thursdays at noon central time, where you can find us streaming on Facebook and YouTube and 
Rumble and Twitter and all of that. And you can join the conversation, throw your comments and questions in the stream. Maybe we'll show your comments on the uh, screen. Maybe we'll address your questions on the fly. And like we said, we've got that new super chat function, which we had the first test run of today. So we're going to keep that going in future weeks. So if you want to contribute to the show that way and be a part of the show, I highly encourage it. You can follow us on Twitter at In the Tank Pod. You can send us your comments and questions to the show, uh, suggestions for the show by emailing us at In the Tank Podcast at gmail.com. And also, like I mentioned at the front of the, the show, that you can really help us help the show out just by doing a couple of simple things, hitting that subscribe button if you haven't already, share the content, hitting that like button, or just leaving a comment under the video all helps break through those big tech algorithms that prevent content like this from being shown to more people. Jim Lakely, where can the fine people find you? At Jay Lakely on Twitter, at Heartland Inst on Twitter, and always visit heartland.org. Fantastic. Justin, same question. Uh, at Justin T. Haskins on Facebook, Twitter, Getter, Parlor, and all the rest. Also, go to YouTube.com and uh, go over to Glenn Beck's YouTube channel and check out the interview that I just did with him yesterday on the radio. I believe they posted at least part of it. Uh, we get into some really cool stuff on ESG and the Great Reset and Europe and all that stuff, mandatory ESG. So check that out over at YouTube.com and go over and see uh, Glenn Beck's channel. Fantastic. And Chris, what do you have to pitch today? Stopinsocialism.com. We got some stuff up there. And I just want to uh, let everybody know that the big uh, annual meeting in Davos is happening very soon. And we will be covering it in great depth. And it is going to be wild. No doubt about it. All right. Thank you all for tuning in. We will talk to you next week.